like are there great things to fish out of Lake Michigan? Uh, salmon. Uh, they stock the silver salmon okay. uh, and, and mostly to deal with the zebra mussels, actually. If I recall correctly, okay, so um, this is this is part of this whole process. And then the salmon let's bring got, in another invasive species. Yeah. And then the salmon got fucked by the sea lampreys because <laughs> uh, the sea lampreys arrived through the St. Lawrence Seaway and immediately, you know, would suck on the mean, fish. And the, by got fucked, you mean like their population was damaged by it or yeah. like they crossbred? No, okay. no, that would be disgusting. Um, I know. Well, fish, fish don't really fuck either. The sound I, I, I love the idea of, of a crossbred <laughs> eel and salmon. It's a very, very <laughs> long, flat salmon. So many possible worlds, but we got this one. So many possible worlds, but we got this one. Welcome to the Worst of All Possible Worlds, the first and only Great Lakes Ecology Podcast. I'm the worst of all possible Joshes. I'm the worst of all possible AJs. And I'm the worst of all possible Brian's. And joining us once again, our first return guest on this show. Very <laughs> exciting. Uh, we have the one, the only, the illustrious, the inimitable Nate Bethea. Hello. Round of applause. Say say hello to the, Ooh, to the good hello. folks. Yeah, Nate. thank you again for having me back. Uh, I am I, I managed to get COVID after two years of of hiding in London, uh, a place that's been famously good at avoiding these <laughs> pandemics. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just like New uh, York. Exactly. I was thinking about this recently. Yeah, we guys talk about the Great Lakes ecology. The, in Indiana gets a, a huge amount of credibility for being a Great Lakes state for having like ten miles of Great Lakes. Right. Coastline. Yeah. Basically, and it's really like, it's it's really all just that. Chicago, too, if we're being real. Like, yeah, it's it will Gary like Gary gets the water for the U.S. steel plant from Lake Michigan mm-hmm. and then the Indiana Dunes and whatnot right up there. But other than that, like also a great song. Oh, they get a great song. Gary. Oh, oh Gary, Indiana yeah. from uh, the music man. <laughs> Jeez. Is that yeah. from the Music Man? It is, in yeah. fact. Yeah, it yeah. is. Back on Broadway, and it's not very good. Oh, um, that sucks. You heard it. Here I was first. Just thinking about it too because there was this thing I saw shared around about like what what's is very my wife but my wife is from rhode island and so rhode island is constantly Mm. ignored because it's such a small state and someone made a map of like every state in america naming the city they make fun of the most in their state Mm. and they just forgot to put a city for rhode island (laughs) that's funny (laughs) (laughs) but for indiana it was gary and i was like okay for racism um and uh and then and the person the person getting mad about it for rhode island was a little central falls and it's clearly the one we all make fun of. And my wife was like, also racism. So sure. it's just a nice reminder <laughs> that, that, uh, that, that, you know, this is a thing that every American state shares. And yeah. um, even in Odyssey, there's a problem with oh, yeah. bigotry. Exactly. <laughs> I have a question. I have a question for you. Nate. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so you came on this podcast and you listened to four episodes of Adventures in Odyssey. And then mm-hmm. you left for a while and thought, mm-hmm. you know what I want more of? Is Adventures in Odyssey? <laughs> yeah, what was that all about? Can you I like explain you guys the and I like your podcast. I, the show is fun to talk about, yeah. and the uh, the drops are hilarious. Everything is a lot of fun on this show. Actually, listening to Adventures in Odyssey makes me want to fucking die. It right. is the worst part of coming on here. That would right. be in a, hell of a way, way to die. The fact that you guys, you guys, no. like do, doing this show is basically. I think there's the group therapy aspect yeah. of everyone having to suffer through this dog shit radio play. <laughs> <laughs> that makes it more fun because it's sort of like in the same way that there's probably a weird sense of camaraderie after doing like a particularly grueling road race or something right, along those right, lines. Right. Like you have to suffer <laughs> through some of the like the, the, the dumbest bullshit Mad Max Fury Road of Odyssey life. podcasts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, well, people used to do the Mele Melia, but I just make people marathon adventures in Odyssey. Exactly. <laughs> well, we'll have to get you on at some point again to talk about something that you actually like. You know, like we we were able to get Josh Sawyer on to talk about a Coriolanus adaptation that he really enjoyed. So, you know, there is a light at the end of the tunnel here, perhaps. But uh, perhaps, for now, yeah. but for now, we're, we're looking, in the muck. <laughs> or for now, for now, that light of the, for now, that light at the end of the tunnel is actually an oncoming train. We're back to Odyssey. And uh, Ooh, here we go. Woo! Mm. We're going to get started here by talking about the episode One Bad Apple. Spoils the br- it spoils <laughs> spoils the brunch. Jesus. <laughs> it is Sunday, so I guess it's a Yes, time. well, with those libs and their brunch. Yeah. That's right. I thought it was so interesting how this one started off with Chris just doing a weird ass fucking monologue. But to be fair, <laughs> She is right. I have been hearing a lot about the environment lately. More and more are saying mm. this. How it's so important that we help the environment. In an unspecified way. Yeah, it's it's really interesting because there's so much about this first episode that is like, it's almost there. It's like, it's just, it's so close and then completely mm-hmm. misses the point at the end, as I think most Odyssey episodes do. But uh, right. Nate, did you learn about how to take care of the environment from this episode? Did you take away uh, like any any heartfelt I lessons? I mean, in, in a way, in a way, I was taken aback by the <laughs> the inherent contradictions of a right wing mm. children's radio play by deranged evangelicals having to concede that environmentalism is important, but also having to um, exculpate big business right. by making yes. it very, very clear <laughs> that all almost all businesses are really good in the environment. It's just that this one was bad. Um, I also was taken <laughs> aback by the fact that the gov- the government sort of plays the role of the good guy in this, but also doesn't answer the phone. Sort of. Because, right, yeah. because they're, the, the libs are bad and the government is bad, but also yeah. uh, then it's also pointed out that there's been government cuts to things yes. like environmental services. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you mean the things you guys are constantly fucking beating the drum for? Right. Like, don't cry that you got what you want. You know what? You, yep. you, you, want, you wanted Reagan, you wanted to save America's soul, and now your apples give you cancer, all right? <laughs> That's not my problem. Yep. Yeah. So we open this episode with these uh, three kids have all gotten sick, and a doctor's like, huh, these children are poisoned. I'm going to call the guy who's poisoning them. <laughs> I don't know what to make of this. Another one? Yeah, that makes three. They're all sick with the same thing? Yeah, upset stomachs, according to Dr. Garrison. Not too serious, but when he gets this many calls in one day, he has to check into it. Which end is the only thing all three of the kids had in common. He said it might be caused by something chemical. So Wit is poisoning children. Right. Uh, this is a new development, I, as so, far as we know. I'm honestly surprised it even got to this point. This is kind of like a courtesy call, right? Uh, yeah. This is this is not sticking the force of the state on way. Yeah, there's there's no police coming in. Right. There's just, uh, hey, you're poisoning children. Just thought you should know. If you're doing it purposely, uh, uh, stop or right. continue. I don't know. I, no one has power <laughs> over wit, so he no. could keep doing it. Um, I, I, I'm just reminded because I used to help out my horrible landlord. Uh, long story, my landlord is what you might describe as an Afghan Guido. He moved to Brooklyn when he was 10 from <laughs> Afghanistan and, and internalized South Brooklyn. And Sweet. he ran a, he, he was at one point a bodybuilder named Sonny Abs. And he, uh, he ran a chain, wow. runs a chain of health food restaurants in, in Brooklyn and Queens. And, um, I was helping him with like book stuff, like basically, uh, keeping records of things for, um, his daily pay sheets and things like that. And a lady called and said that she had gotten sick and had to go to the hospital because of the food oh, in his no. restaurant. 
and she was like, well, she's like, what are you going to do about it? And he was basically, it seemed like she was trying to like either get free food or money from him. And he's like, lady, I got insurance. I don't give a fuck. Take it up with them. And, <laughs> up. and that to me is what an actual Republican business, a small yeah. business owner would do as opposed to Whit being like, I need to Sherlock Holmes this. Right. And that's, yeah. that's kind of where we do end up going then is uh, Wit realizes pretty quickly that the problem lies in the apples, the apples that he has uh, been uh, purchasing from Tom Riley, uh, uh, which are, he uses to make fresh apple turnovers every morning. Wit's <laughs> end has a bakery now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's actually I didn't I, even I think about that. I also enjoyed that that he had he he gave a girl a banana split that also has other fruits on it. Yeah. The mm-hmm. famous banana split with apples. With apples on it. I'd yeah, like to I imagine he just too. gave her a bowl of fruit and was like, it's a banana <laughs> split. It's like, there's no ice cream. And then he just leaned forward and there's said, there's no banana. It's a banana split. <laughs> and you'll like it. Uh, so, yes, it turns out that farm that has the poisoned apples is, in fact, the farm of our beloved Tom Riley. So Tom's poisoning the children. And his horses are getting poisoned, too. All of his horses uh, are stolen by... This isn't where that that was supposed to mean all my apes are stolen. That didn't work at all. <laughs> well, all, all my apes are gone. All, all my, my apes horses are gone. Are gone. All my horses yeah. are gone. All Fuck my it. horses all have colic, apparently. All my horses have colic. It's incredible to me that his horse's name is Rachel, and I keep forgetting his horse's name is Rachel. But you know who didn't forget the horse's name was Rachel? The man who lost his wife right to Rachel in the divorce. Yeah. Famously. Uh, Rachel, uh, Rachel and I, Leah are the horses. It's a Bible reference. Yeah. Oh, God yep. damn it. I knew yeah. it. Oh, yeah. Man. All right. There you have it. I, I, <laughs> M- Milo from Trash Future has a joke about uh, how you can really tell upper, like posh, upper class English people because the women all have dogs names and the dogs all have women's names. So yeah. like, <laughs> you meet a girl and you wonder if she's posh or not. And her mom's name is Mufti and her dog's name is Jane. Uh, and, and that was sort of the first thing I was like, why did you name your horse Rachel? Like, that just seemed... Go- Governess Mufti has a really wonderful <laughs> ring to it. Well, and, and something that, that is interesting about Tom's farm and you know this comes into play at multiple points in these episodes that we listen to is that it really is in a lot of ways um, a linchpin of the community right like it provides a lot of agriculture and it seems to be some pretty prime real estate and it sits right on a creek and that creek empties into a pond this is where Kurt fishes and Kurt will remember is the kind of shitty kid uh, who has a distant uh, alcoholic dad and he goes fishing at Tom's pond. Yeah, every single week. Yeah, he goes to Trickle Lake and he fishes and... Well, there are a few sick fish down at your creek. Pretty disgusting if you ask me. What are you talking about? Well, haven't you been down there? No, not for a couple of weeks. Well, you have fish lying on the banks, caught up in the rocks even. It's no fun catching dead fish. One of them has three eyes. You're telling me the fish (laughs) in the creek are dying? Not dying. They look... Dead. Thanks for the clarification, Kurt. <laughs> yeah. How could you tell if a fish was dying from like looking down on it? Is it? I, like, I have the same question. Have you ever seen a fish? You could, they could convince you they were dying with anything that they do. Absolutely. Like, <laughs> any one of their behaviors makes you think like they're taking their last fucking breath. Well, I, they're like, brilliant yeah. actors. I mean, this is death. Death Stranding is happening. Sure. Right. He's sure. on the beach. 
There's a nude Norman Reedus <laughs> right. holding a baby. Right. And, and there's He's all of these the baby fish. a little too hard and it's not strange unexplained <laughs> footprints are just appearing in the sand around the creek bed. Yeah. Yeah. A guy with a Danish accent. Uh, all of these things. <laughs> Tom also brings up the fact that he doesn't or he uses very few chemical pesticides right. He's an organic or herbicides. He doesn't let crop dusters fly over. He says that makes me nervous. His concern is probably that he saw North by Northwest and that one scene just really freaked him out. Oh, I mean, to be fair. <laughs> just That's why he also won't wait for a bus at remote road stops. Um, <laughs> he has to wait till Wit hails one for him. They find out that there's definitely some kind of chemical problem here. And uh, they decide to investigate this themselves because, right. as we said before... What about one of those government environment agencies? Aren't they supposed to help in a case like this? I called twice and left messages <laughs> on the answering machine. Oh, our tax dollars at work. I think our local man's only part-time. I'll call the state capitol first thing in the morning. Well, that's all fine, but this is my responsibility. It's my land and my apples, and no. I don't want to hand it off to somebody else. That doesn't... No. <laughs> no. No, no, no. Like, even even if it is being handled by you, you have to take it to a civil court or something right. if you're ever going to seek any sort of uh, actual damages. I do think it's like, interesting here, though, that Wit, as per usual, has a direct line to all of the governments, right? Like, yeah. Yes. And we're going to see how that fails a, a, a couple episodes down the line. And it really is funny. He's like, oh, all these cuts that have happened for some reason. Who knows why? Who knows why these cuts are, are going on? <laughs> Certainly nothing that's been happening for the last decade. Just here. the mysteries of the universe, <laughs> you know. Our tax dollars at work. This show has kind of a collision between, you know, an immovable object and unstoppable force in the sense mm -hmm. that... The show is Jokerified, it, yes. Yeah, kids, kids are, especially in the 90s, and I presume this is the 90s because it's still the original voice actor for Wit. Uh, yeah, are, this is uh, September of 1990. Yeah, so especially the early 90s, like ecology, environmentalism stuff was was fucking huge. And I don't mm -hmm. know, I think we're similar in age, but I can I can very yeah. much remember that era as a real little kid and the stuff that my older brother and his friends were talking about and doing and the stuff that was on TV. So like there's this appeal of like, you know, recycling, environmentalism, save the environment, stuff like that. But also the government is bad because this is made by focus on the family. Mm -hmm. And so right. like in a way, <laughs> the, the problem here is, is that this is meant for kids and you can't necessarily win kids over even if they're already a captive audience by saying you know saving the environment is gay and so like you have to <laughs> you have to make environmentalism the good guy in this in some capacity it so wants to be like you remember in ghostbusters i think ghostbusters 2 or the first ghostbusters where, yeah, like, where the, the epa, EPA guy is the villain mm -hmm. like it's yeah. that kind of that kind of thread it really really wants to to to, to go down that but it can't because they didn't find a way to make the EPA and the government and the libs the villain in a, in a story where a chemical company or pharmaceutical company is, dump, is dumping its byproducts in the river. You might be pleased to learn they will. <laughs> oh, later. Oh, in just a couple no. of years. <laughs> no. uh, we'll, we'll actually talk about that a little bit further later on when we talk uh, yeah, about what a specific I basically was going to say but, though is um, just 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 from my yeah. experience in the early 90s like this is this is not quite the days of Captain Planet but it's the days of the environment yeah. that led to people realizing that a show like Captain Planet would be popular. Sure. Uh, like yeah. like 
Earth Day, ecology, save the environment, that kind of stuff. That was, I mean, for people who may not be old enough to remember it, that shit was huge at that time, yeah. especially among, like, it, it was, there was a kind of almost organic activism, sort of save the rainforest kind mm-hmm. of shit among, say, like, older primary school kids, middle school, high school age kids. Right. And so, like, this definitely felt like a product of that time, but sure. also yeah. some subtle digs to make sure you understand you're listening to Republican propaganda, too. Definitely. It's, yeah, the, the basic environmental message here is wasn't part of the the culture war really like it was like yeah recycle do this you know recycle don't reduce, reduce reuse, don't enclose the right. loop yeah. yeah yeah like it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't a hot button everyone read the lorax and was like right yeah that sounds bad yeah what they're doing to those truffulas we weren't we weren't there <laughs> yet right like the the culture war machine hadn't quite been able to drive the wedge yet so everybody was broadly yeah. able to agree that poisoning fish was bad for instance yeah and that <laughs> we wanted generally like try and take care of the planet it's just right. sort yeah. of like our ways to go about doing that differ wildly yeah and i and i and i think that you have to consider you know both internationally and in the us you have stuff like love canal or Exxon right. Valdez, right. or uh-huh. um, in oh, internationally, you have Chernobyl. You have stuff like um, like the Cuyahoga River catching on fire yep. in Cleveland and stuff like that. The Bhopal disaster in India. Yeah, absolutely. You have these really, and I would say, I was just thinking about the timeline. Exxon Valdez would be a huge one because that was that was like right, right. on TV so much at the time. Uh, for people who don't remember, the Exxon tanker Valdez crashed off of what is it? I think it's Prince William Sound in the Panhandle of Alaska, right? And right. spilled yeah. crude oil fucking everywhere and killed a ton. And it's still of there. Birds. Still there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, it's been cleaned up. Uh, fuck God, it was thirty something years, thirty three years ago. Yeah, but um. That, time, you're, it, you're right. That that would be totally present. Yeah, because that, that was that was right in early 1989 when it happened, and yeah. so th- th- this was just this this this, and this was on TV in the same way, like in, almost in a way that these things hadn't previously been, because you mm-hmm. had gotten into the era of of 24 hour news at this point, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. or at least like the early kind of beginnings of it. I, I feel as though this is 100 percent of its time, whereas nowadays my impression is that they've squared that circle in this sort of call it right-wing evangelical yeah. community by basically being yeah. like, yeah, ecology is good, but also climate change isn't real, that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, we would be worried about the poisoned fish, but there are no poisoned fish as exactly. they gesture exactly. at a whole lake of poisoned fish. Exactly. Yep. And, and yep. I would say, too, it's been it's weird for me because I, I've met people who were pretty right-wing in terms of like their overall life views who were super into ecology in the in the military. Mm-hmm. Like people who would basically be like, they were like, like they were, they were basically Republicans in the military, but they were members of the Sierra Club. Yep. Like there is that okay. overlap, and, Absolutely. and I, that's why that's why Elizabeth Warren wanted the military to lead <laughs> conservation efforts no, in the but, United but, States. But really, like, yeah, you're exactly right, Nate. I mean, the, God, I forgot about that. Those people, like, most oftentimes, those people are hunters, fishermen, yes. like you know, if, or if hikers. you or hikers. Yeah. If you, if a, a big part of your recreational pursuits involve nature and being out in the wild, you naturally have an affinity for that thing, and you want to see it yeah. protected. Yeah, right. Tom and Witt are paleo. They've rejected modernity. <laughs> and like, Witt is a Tulian perspective guy, actually. I see. Um, I see. Yeah. That banana split you were talking about, you thought it was just a bowl of fruit. No, it's fucking pemmican. <laughs> so let's get to the uh, investigation. Yeah, Witt, Witt and Tom recruit 
Kurt. Yeah. Yeah. What the and hell? To go and he's look around so the He's so, so bored. He sucks. So, so what I found out was this was actually this was supposed to be the janitor Bernard Walton. Oh, uh, that would have made more sense. They couldn't get Dave Madden to record this episode, so they changed it kind of last minute. So they take Kurt along and they find a barrel. I pictured like literally like green, radioactive, glowing kind of thing. And it says a name that's going to be very important in the years to come: Edge Biter. Edge Biter Chemical Company. It's the name of a porn site, and you can't convince me I was going to say, that's when you're eating somebody out, and you just, like, are, are teasing them. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> and and then what, Josh? Yeah, and then what well, happens? And then what? Well, well, you, you you bite around the edges first. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then you just proceed to the main event. You know, the mm. classic situation. Okay, well, that's... Cut that. Great. No, um, no, that's the no, preview. No, you, you absolutely no. have to leave that in. Also, leave yeah. in the drops of wit grunting. You know, it's just it's important yeah. that we get that on tape. So they go to uh, the Edgebiter corporate headquarters, which are here in Odyssey. <laughs> For some reason, this is like a national corporation. Yeah, and they're in this town of thirty thousand people. Well, they're also um, they're they also share a complex new. with a comic book store. You know, yes. that, yeah. this it has retail space, big insecticide <laughs> conglomerate comic book complexes. I've heard can, can so we, much can about. Can we talk about the zoning implications of this? Like the way that Odyssey <laughs> is designed as a town or as a city? It's a because nightmare. This is, it's an Escher this is still, painting. This is still presumably within this, city limits. I think I think this was one of Glossman's pet projects where he's like I want office parks with retail space right right <laughs> mixed use development is 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 of the devil um yes <laughs> but also it's made very clear to us that edgebiter's office is the only commercial property at all besides the farm so like yeah. effectively <laughs> there's a park there's woodlands mm -hmm. there's uh was it tom riley's farm and then there's this yep. corporate headquarters and right. nothing else like it just it as you said it, it seems as though glossman has chosen these locations just to own the people in this radio play like that makes no sense otherwise <laughs> right like he's effectively like you know what would really piss them off if like pollution corp was right next to their farm <laughs> like yeah. otherwise it just doesn't make any sense to you or actually odyssey is more than thirty thousand people we just haven't explored that part of the world map yet so we right. don't know how big right. it is that, that, odyssey that, is 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 like when the borg take over and fucking in like the hell future in that episode of star trek the next yes. generation yes like right. it's just yep. one big city planet that's all odyssey well, and, and yeah, you're right. I think maybe it's a situation sort of like when you're playing Civilization and much of the map is still shrouded in fog. We yeah, still need to yeah. travel to those tiles to reveal what's on them. <laughs> <laughs> so we we go to Edgebiter. We get the runaround. You know, they're trying to get to somebody. Yeah, like and three then they, times. They, they find a PR lady who will who will talk to them. The other thing you must consider, Mr. Riley, is that we don't manufacture the chemicals here. Oh. These buildings mm. are just our corporate offices. The chemicals for our insecticides are manufactured in Chicago under the utmost care. And Chicago? Chicago. Oh. Oh, interesting. That's, huh. Manufactured in Chicago. God, interesting. Damn it, Chicago. Hmm. Manu what? what? can't. Mm. God damn it. <laughs> the Napoleon of crime. The raving lunatic Dutchman strikes again. Regis Blackard and his many Chicago conglomerates <laughs> producing chemicals and electronics. And Nate, you never actually listened to any episodes with Blackard, right? Not yet, no. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yes. Well, well I mean, it's well, entirely possible that you'll subject me to 
them in the future. But, uh, yeah, the, the thing is, when Blackguard returns, it's like a twelve-parter, so we're, we're gonna have to have a lot of guests. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna actually go through the whole thing and have a series of guests. It's gonna be great. Yes. Oh boy, I can wait. Uh, there was a moment. There, there's a fun little interplay where. Uh, one of the people at Edgebiter thinks that Tom Riley's wife is named Rachel, but it is in fact his horse. And that's that's calm. There's there's a comedic beat. Is it yeah. though? His yeah, wife's yeah, name I mean, is the horse. The horse wife thing is is done what two or three times in this episode. I think they found a joke, so they thought we well, don't need to make another one. His wife yeah. is alive. He ha- so he has a dead wife and he has an alive wife, yeah. Okay. And he has a dead um, son. And he has a dead son. His his alive wife is Agnes. Okay. So after after this whole like run around, clearly this is like, you know, Wit Wit sort of sees both sides because that's what he does. Um it, Tom though is like, well, I'm not an environmentalist, but there shouldn't be pollution here. He's very clear that he's not an environmentalist. I don't know nothing about this yeah, pollution, um, but I'm as a simple countryman. So they decide I know that I want to eat my own apples. So they decide to go down to the creek behind the building Weird. and trespass? <laughs> question mark? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So they take, again, they take the nine-year-old kid with them right. in the middle of the night to the parking lot of the uh, chemical company right? so that they can go around and look for horrific poisonous chemical leaks mm-hmm. illegally. Yeah. Right. Yeah. This and the parents correct, are yes. like, yeah. I mean, it's wit, so I we would say no, but we can't. And uh, it's not long before they're apprehended by a security guard who's on the round. I love the security guard who's like, where do you think you're going? He's got like <laughs> the strong mob vibes. And I'm before like, before they go out to this parking lot, wit has revealed to Tom that he has done his own testing of the soil nearby. So yeah, there's like, just a bakery to- and a chemistry <laughs> lab. Yeah, I mean, there's a meth lab in the basement of. It's Wits the same End. thing. Yeah. yeah, he develops photos. Right. He, yeah, makes right. drugs. You can't spell Walter White without wit. That's all I'm saying. There hey, we go. There we go. Yeah. And the next scene, really, then after you know they've been apprehended and they've been brought in to to meet the boss of Edgebiter, they meet Mr. Edgebiter, Mr. Edgebiter himself. Yeah. <laughs> which is also like Edgebiter, great name for a chemical company. Obviously, not a human being's name. Yeah. Well, that's that the is other- a name you make when you're starting a company that makes poisons so could, or computers or like, something. Like, give you a little peek behind uh, the curtain a bit. My idea for the commercial for this week was going to be a guy named. Johnny Edgebiter <laughs> and the fucking show fucking stole my idea and it was real bullshit oh, well. um, Johnny Edgebiter walks across the country planting little chemicals in the go. soil yeah. to poison all the apples and so, and um, so they face off with Mr. Jerry Edgebiter and, and Nate yeah, so here I've got oh, okay, yeah, let's do that first. Uh, the clip where jobs are one thing but even good jobs won't replace. He's like, you'll put all these people out of work if the That's police come. Of course, I've heard it all before. Big bad chemical company is destroying the earth. But before you preach to me about the environment, let me put the question to you, Mr. Riley. When you finish a can of soda, do you throw the can away or recycle? Mm, well, the things I, we uh, do. How about newspapers, junk mail, and all those bits of paper you have around your house? Mm. Do you throw them away or recycle them? I think you're evading the point. Not at all. Uh, no, no, you, you no, are. Absolutely. No, you're no, he's not. It. No, this, um, is, this is a completely good faith argument. When you take um, your children's temperatures, you're exposing them to mercury in a way because it's in the thermometer, <laughs> and that's why it's okay if they drink it. <laughs> right. Um, I'm, I'm curious now. Uh, you know, this is this is the crux of the arg, right? Is that you know, yes, 
we made a little whoopsie boo boo uh, and we're going to fix it. But also Whomst Among Us has not damaged the environment in some meaningful way. And at the end of the day, irreparably. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and at the end of the day is what we're doing here really so different from you not recycling. And yeah. And this is while this guy is explicitly asking these characters not to go to the regulatory agencies right. and not to let him get into legal trouble because it will cause a problem. Right. And so then we get his further explanation here talking to Kurt. You see, it's easy to blame chemical companies like mine for it all is. the environmental problems. Correct. The laws are passed, yep. regulations are imposed, and that's fine. I try are to they? operate within those restrictions. I don't sometimes. think you do. Yes. And sometimes I make mistakes. It's inconvenient, even expensive, to do everything they want. Oh. But where are the laws for you? How many conveniences are you willing to give up? There are laws? There are laws. <laughs> there are lots for, of laws. Like, you can't just, like, throw your trash everywhere. There's litter laws. But, like, he's he's making the point without realizing that he's making it, right? Like, the, the problem is huge, yes. It's this right. huge, like, but, like, to avoid tragedy of commons, you can use smaller, more focused laws. You can simply, if, if you don't want the problem of aluminum waste with soda cans, well, if the soda cans are illegal to make, then right. you can't have anybody littering with them. There is a, a complete understandable logic that they're dancing right along in this episode while still saying, actually, no, the real solution is if you just wrap up your plastics, separate them out, have a, a different truck pick them up, which like none of this is bad. No, but it's also like we were taught, especially in the 90s, especially in the Ted Turner, Captain Planet kind of yeah. stuff that it's like, yeah, you just separate everything out and everything's going to be fine. Whereas 70 percent of all plastics have never been and will never be recycled right. and, because and, they can't. And then, of yeah. course, what ends up happening is that that plastic, just like everything else, breaks down into smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller particles so that now we're at a place where, you know, 50 plus years after the initial plastics revolution, fish have fuckloads of plastic in them and always will because it's just part of the it's part of the ecology now. and it's turning the freaking frogs gay <laughs> <laughs> I, I think about this too with regard to this being posited as a solution because mm. you know even now it's not always guaranteed that you're going to be able to recycle anywhere you live i, I used to right. live in anchorage right. alaska and um mm. We had curbside trash pickup, but if you wanted to recycle, you had to take it to the recycling point. They did yeah. not offer curbside pickup of recyclables. They're, they're literally, the pamphlet you'd get from the waste management company was basically like, if you don't want to take it down yourself, then just throw it away and we'll throw it in the landfill. Yeah. And then I want to say, I remember when I was living there, I remember they were like, oh yeah, after... December 31st, 2009, we won't accept glass to recycle because it's just too expensive to recycle it from Alaska. It's just going to go yep. in the landfill. Yep. And so it's like if you live in the state of Alaska, like a state massively dependent upon, you know, ecology for tourism, you cannot recycle glass. The, the thing right. that will literally stay in the environment for fucking ever if right. it's not recycled. Um, you know, similarly, when it, Rudy it, it's the same thing. Yeah, it's the same thing in my hometown, too. Like sometimes the recycling center just shuts down. They can't handle the, yeah. the load. So they're like, we're closed. Or yeah, I mean, and I, used to, I used to drive all my recyclables down to the yeah the, the the place where you could put them out in in Anchorage and do all that work myself, mm -hmm. you know, because I was it was important to me. But like, right. there was right. no way to recycle certain things. And I was just going to make the other point too that you know, a few years after yeah. this episode aired, when Rudy Giuliani became mayor of New York City, he just canceled the city's recycling contract to own the libs. Jesus. So like, all of a sudden, there just wasn't any recycling happening for the largest city in America because Rudy Giuliani was basically, well, the libs like recycling, so I'm going to own them by making it impossible in this city. I mean, look, I'll stand well. for a lot on this podcast, but you go after America's mayor like that, <laughs> sir. <laughs>
that Nosferatu motherfucker should just I, it, I, he makes me sad to be Italian which is hard because it's such a joyful existence I mean I, I also gotta say too it's very funny because I never want to give Joe Biden too much credit but it is very funny during the primaries in I want to say 2008 when Biden was still running for president when he Giuliani was considered at some point a serious Republican candidate and Biden was just like you already know what you're going to get from this yeah. guy every every sentence that comes out of his mouth is noun verb 9-11 that was just like he, that well, was it he bodied him like that was the one thing that bodied him, him. In, in, in the same way that uh, Elizabeth Warren bodied Bloomberg in that one debate like you yeah, just, it's oh, yeah. like, you just point out the one thing and that's like that's it that you've used well, yeah, their power that, phrase right that, their kill switch you flip the kill switch that was killed oh that was that was Chris Christie with Marco Rubio where Rubio used the same oh, line yeah. twice about mm-hmm. like yeah. let's let's not you know let's dispense with the fiction that Barack so Obama is you know not doesn't know what he's doing he knows exactly what he's doing he said it twice and Christie is like this is what happens when you're a moron and you pay consultants they teach you one line you right. say it twice in the same right. debate right. <laughs> it's just like fuck Chris Christie but like I appreciate him no it's he, great before before that debate he was like I'm gonna own Marco Rubio. I'm going to destroy him. And then he actually did. It's so good. Yeah. You know what? I respect it. Um, I mean, I don't necessarily respect Rudy Giuliani uh, destroying the environment more because he wanted to own the libs. But I take I make that point because in this show, that's the solution. The sort of moralizing solution is like, Yeah. yeah, it's bad when companies pollute, but are right. you are, are let him who is without sin cast the first stone right. you right. not recycling that you you buying cans of soda that have those little plastic six-pack things on them is the exact same as this company dumping fucking like cadmium into the river right and, yeah. Yeah. and again those plastic six-pack things wouldn't exist if the company was not able to make exactly them. right so I, I was looking at focus on the family's history on environmental stuff, right? If Witt actually calls the state, he still gets the yep. regulatory police in. Good for him in this case, in this one case. Focus on the family. Uh, I couldn't find anything like usual on the internet. You can't really find a lot of their stuff from the 90s about what they're saying about the environment. It was probably pretty much in line with this. Like, go to your local recycling center and be a good steward or whatever. Right. But later on, you see this framing a lot in, in articles from the 2000s where they really need to go after abortion And they really need to go after the global warming people. So they focus entirely on the arguments around overpopulation. Oh, interesting. And how people aren't Mm -hmm. having kids because of the environment. People are saying not to have kids because of the environment. People are aborting all their babies uh, as sort of an environmentalist genocide. Yeah, that's definitely what's happening. Yeah, 100%. Um, So I found uh, an article uh, just from two years ago, Phil Steiger, uh, where... At one point, it's about something else. It's just about, like, how should we handle tough topics or whatever? But he puts in this weird little phrase where he says, schools substitute out history classes for environmentalism and gender. Yeah, that, yeah. Uh, (laughs) uh (laughs) Yep. And then focus in 2011, of course, we're getting to a nice hot uh, 2012. Oh, yeah, rising to that nice boil. We love it. They make a point of separating climate activism from people. Right. It's like, oh, well, why don't you care about the people if you're you're caring so much about the environment? You're losing sight of. And it's like, well, I mean, your own show has kids being poisoned by the poisoned apples. Like the people are always going to be downstream of this. Uh, But they also say, quote, why devote more attention to an unproven theory of global warming than to the reality of ongoing attacks against life, the family and the Christian worldview? Yeah. But focus on the family's sort of flagship stays a little bit on the edge of the environmentalist stuff. They never attack it full bore, but they do 
have the Daily Citizen, which is their like news rag, formerly known as Citizen Link. They push out articles attacking like Greta Thunberg <laughs> right. and like Just the bullshit, right? Headline saying proving climate change activists wrong. And that, that article is really funny because it showed the picture of the dolphins in Venice. The nature is healing picture is being like, look, it only took two weeks and and everything's fine. Nature isn't on the precipice of destruction, which also was not real. That was a that uh, was a misattributed no. image. Yeah. And, you know, we know all that. What we see is like focus on the family. Of course, they want to keep their focus on the family, on the family, wavering focus. And so they they'll they'll even put out oh, articles saying like, we're not scientists. We can't talk about like the scientific veracity of whether climate change, blah, 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 blah. But the whole reason for focusing on the family is because they think the family is the core of everything. You can change the entire world through the family. And so the family has to therefore address everything, including the environment. Right. Right. Which they then admit they're not capable of doing. From their perspective, because they're weasels. But aren't they? Always, because aren't they always trying to say that corporations are like a family? Like you know, a lot of the diehards well, are just like corporations well, should be like wit, a family. Yeah. yeah, small small family businesses. Yes, that's that's the other thing that's kind of interesting about this worldview is that generally yeah. speaking, mm-hmm. they are not big fans of the modern American corporation. They're big fans of small individual family-owned businesses that's the bedrock of american society for these people that was what i wanted to ask you guys was do you feel as though focus on the family is hand in glove with like prosperity gospel stuff because i feel as though they have overlap i would love to speak to that yes please josh there is of course the prosperity gospel which is that's like joel austin his whole thing right this idea that like if you love god you're going to get money and jim baker back in the day yes That is slightly different from the theology that I think focus espouses, which is dominionist theology. And dominionist theology, by the way, is the same theology that the DeVos family's uh, whole worldview is based on. We actually did talk about this a little bit when we went on What a Hell of a Way to Die. Yeah. Um, That the idea is not that you are just going to get blessed by God if you love him. The idea is that you need to go out and reclaim the world on his behalf. That is your mission, right? Something that I remember uh, hearing growing up because I listened to Adventures in Odyssey on the radio as a kid is that every single episode of Odyssey would be buffered by some like, I don't know, they were like fucking PSAs or something. I I don't know where these came from, but I remember one specific one that was like it started with this person being like, I want to change the world, but I don't know how. I'm just one person. I don't think that recycling my stuff will make a big difference. And then it would be like overlaid with other people saying the same thing until you had sort of this cacophony of people all saying, I, you know, just don't know if as only one person I can do this. The idea being, of course, that individual choice, individual agency is still the primary thing through which we ought to examine our relationship with each other sociopolitically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And by taking more individual agency to do things individually, that is the only way that we can collectivize the society. That is also the main message yeah. of dominionism. We basically have Randian <clears throat> prime movers, all of whom do the thing and they do the thing next to each other, not in direct cooperation with each other, but rather in collaboration in a free marketplace of ideas. And so that, I think, is what we have here, right? We have mm. Edgebiter, which is basically a bad actor. They are not one acting in... They're one bad apple, right? They are not acting in the same sort of like rational uh, fashion that they ought to be doing as a business. And if they just were to actually pay attention to what the real needs are of the community... 
based on their own rational self-interest in serving that community, this wouldn't happen. And that, I think, is really the philosophy of this episode. Does that make sense, Nate? It does, yeah. I mean, I think that, in a way, the underhanded digs at the government and the fact that the government comes last, but or uh, it comes as a measure of last resort, but that the true solution here is the individual taking on individual responsibility. Mm -hmm. I feel as though like, you know, it's deft in a way because you've both articulated a pro environmental message that, you know, is going to resonate with kids, but you've also hammered home that, uh, all responsibility to fix it is on the individual and the individual act of, either uh, prudence or carelessness is equivalent to a business choosing to like violate environmental regulations right. at scale. Right. Yeah. Right. And that's an absurd comparison, it's but yeah. But, yeah <laughs> but it hammers home this idea and it, it, but, but couched in concern for the environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, you know, it's fascinating to me that a lot of conservative ideology, they love to use bad apples, right? It's mostly as a metaphor for, I mean, it, it obviously ties to like Christianity and all that, but also, you know, it is a, um, uh, especially when they talk about like policing, police forces and that sort of thing. It's like or the one, military, or like the, the, the yeah. like Abu Ghraib, right? Like those guys were just bad apples. Certainly had nothing to do with the command structure or the the, the military itself. But right, it, it it is it is the idea that the second the second half of that phrase always gets lost, which is spoils the bunch. And mm-hmm. yeah, you know, edge biter is is a symptom of a larger disease because you know Wit has to clarify at the end of the episode. Oh no, 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 hundreds of companies are good and honest. It was just this one that was dumping pollution but if this one is dumping pollution that must mean that there is a system in which they can and if it's going to save them money and cut them costs then of course other ones are doing it all across america it's not just one bad apple it's a whole fucking spoiled Mm. bunch which is a wild worldview to take hey folks uh this is a preview so you're at the end here but if you go on over to our patreon you can check out the full thing where we go over three more episodes, including one of the weirdest lessons that we've ever seen about racism. You won't believe your ears, trust me. Uh, Pearl Harbor also gets discussed in a flashback episode. And then we meet no less than Johnny Appleseed. Anyway, we hope to see you there.